What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac plus one tonight. Candace is back with us. Rolling three deep after the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Chicago Bulls. It got hairy at the end. I, I Isaac and I talked about these first two games coming out of the All-Star break and how these were going to be games the Grizzlies had to play well to win. The Grizzlies were dominating this game. And then some I, I cheap fouls got called. I'm just going to call it what it is. It, like Jaron was just getting a bad whistle tonight. Yep. And it, yeah. it took the air out of the cells for, for the Grizzlies. The, the Bulls were able to climb back into it. DeMar DeRozan had struggled the majority of the game. And then he, he had a, a good burst during the fourth to, to close the gap. John Morant and the Grizzlies able to hold on one sixteen to one ten final score. Candace, I'm going to throw it to you first. You, you hadn't been with us in a little while. How have you been? Oh, I've been great. I've been great. Good to be back. Glad to have you. So, what what are your your biggest takeaways? I know you and I were kind of talking before Isaac got done with the the presser. I had something to do, so I wasn't in it tonight. Isaac's got plenty of stories on that for us. When you were watching this game tonight, was there anything that just kind of jumped out at you that you want to talk about right off the top? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I'll say it was a great game. So it was a great game. Uh, I mean, gets two really good teams, but uh, yeah, I think it was very entertaining. It was great to see Ja go off for 46 points, career high. Um, so that really stood out. Uh, but, there, but there were some some concerns, you know, as, as the Bulls came and they made that run there. Um, near the end of the game, they were able to completely stop the Grizzlies' offense. That um, brings up a, a point of concern about their half court, half court offense. And um, but ultimately, you know, the team was able to pull it out. But you know, it is a concern. We'll, we'll see. I, I was happy about the win, so I don't want to harp on it too much. Want to make sure I stay positive about it overall. Team was good, good team win. But it was something that stood out to me moving forward for the playoffs, at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, the, the half court offense. I think is, uh, I think it's going to struggle. Dylan Brooks can definitely change that. I think he makes a difference whenever he comes back, but uh, he's not healthy yet. We'll, we'll see. Um, this seems like a very long six weeks. I, I don't know yeah. exactly how long he's been out, but you know, we heard four to six weeks whenever the the injury happened, and it feels like it's been six months. I know it hasn't been that long. But he's been gone for a long time. Isaac, what about you, man? Anything big jump out from you in this game? Well, well to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about Dylan Brooks, when the injury happened and, and you saw kind of the timeline, I always say that if you the, the prognosis is four to six weeks, say eight, seven, eight for the Grizzlies. That's just how they operate. Like if, if it's not John Morant, there's going to be extra time on these injuries. I mean, we've seen that time and time again. And it's just they're going to be super cautious. And that's just kind of how they operate. It, said on the broadcast that they're going to ramp up. He's probably going to start doing some contact stuff on court next week. So it looks like he he's going to be on the way back, and I think he'll definitely be a welcome addition. Uh, but as far as tonight's game, I think the half-court offense, I think we've kind of known all season that that's kind of been an issue with this team. And, and David and I have talked about this, and you go into the playoffs, and the games are going to slow down. You're not going to get those as many runouts and, and transition opportunities in the playoffs because that's just usually not how playoff basketball works. And, that's definitely definitely a concern uh, for this team. I think Dylan Brooks can help with that, but that's definitely something to watch. That and free throw shooting, I think a couple of this this team, a couple of their Achilles heels and things that they have to have to try to get cleaned up uh, if they're going to make a significant run. Uh, but but when you look at these two games, um, the Minnesota game and tonight's game, coming back out of the All Star break, um, I, I talked to David about how I was a little bit concerned on 
when you have a team going into a break playing well, they did lose the game to Portland, but outside of that, they were playing well. When you have a team that's playing well, sometimes you kind of hate for, for something to come up and halt their momentum to have that break like that. I, I kind of wish they had the opportunity to keep playing. I know they need to rest, and that's good and everything like that, but I, I was kind of concerned that they might come out at an all-star break with a little bit of a lull. And even though they lost that, that Minnesota game and, and this game turned out the way it did, I feel pretty good about where this team is. I think, and John talked about it um, tonight. Uh, I think it was Drew Hill uh, that asked him about what did he feel like feel like the team was right now compared to where they were at the end of break. And he said they got some more things. To, they have some things to get cleaned up. But he felt like for a majority of the game tonight, he felt like they were back to, to where they were. And but looking at these two games, looking at early in the first half against Minnesota, I mean, that's just a tough game. I think it's just a tough loss. I don't think that really had anything to do with the break or anything like that. And tonight, uh, you, you saw the way they were executing earlier, played some of the best defense that we've seen this team play the first half. I mean, they were all over them there early in that game. I, I feel good about where this team is, and I, I think I think they're poised for a big run. You're about to get Dylan Brooks back. So I, I'm feeling pretty good, man. They, they still have a shot that two seed, two games back at Golden State. Golden State has a really – Really tough schedule, so I'm feeling really good about where they are right now. You know, that's a good that's a good point, Isaac. And in fact, I, I we talked about you mentioned free throws, and I do want to say that is one thing that I th- thought was improvement today. Yeah, and they shot 80 percent on free throws. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Uh, it was I think it was 68 percent. And they did the it. <laughs> game, and I, th- I think it made it could have made the game very easy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that's the free throws in the Wolves game was, was definitely an issue, and that that's something. Taylor Jenkins in the in the pregame, they were talking to him about. I can't remember who asked him the question, but it, they asked him about the the fact that the Grizzlies are getting to the line more and creating those opportunities. And he's like, getting to the line is great, like it's fantastic. I'm glad that we're able to do that to create those opportunities, but we're not converting at the rate that we need to convert at. So you know, he he knows he's aware uh, of the situation of, of them being just honestly bad at the free throw line. They're, they're among the, the worst in the league from the free throw line. And when games really matter, free throws make a difference. You know, they, they only miss, they miss five tonight, total shooting 80%, 21 of 26. But, you know, in, in a tight game, missing five free throws, and you're not going to shoot 100% every night. Well aware of that. But missing five free throws in, in a one or two point game could make a difference between moving on to round two or going home in the first round. Yeah, I definitely think that that's definitely the case. Um, and this team, and it's weird because you, you look at the players on this team and you just, and we've talked about this before, you just wouldn't think they would be a bad free throw shooting team. It, it's it's weird. Uh, the guys you have on this team, I mean, you have a really good free throw shooter in Desmond Bain. Uh, you have Ja Morant, who, and Ja is, and, and, and I've said this before, Ja is streaky when it, when it comes to the free throw line because now he's kind of starting to knock him down. Now, tonight he was, 13 to 15, he'll go through these stretches where he really struggles and then he'll get back on track. And I think right now he's on track. We saw him make a lot of free throws down the stretch tonight, and they needed every one of those to be able to pull this game out. Uh, so, so far, so good. Tonight they were, what were they overall, 21 to 26 for 80.8%. So it's a good night, but they're going to need to do that on a more consistent basis, especially when you get into the playoffs. Because, I mean, one point, one or two points here and there, when you're going to be in these close games against really good teams, it, it definitely matters. Yeah, yeah, we we were talking about the three point shooting before Isaac came on, uh, just actually before he even started recording, so nobody heard it except for me and Candace. But but we we were talking about Josh struggling. We saw a few of the threes fall down for him. he was three for four tonight. But 
before tonight in the last eight games. He he had that big game against Washington where he made, he made four threes, and then since then he shot thirteen uh, percent from three on five attempts per game. Really been struggling from three, and that's you know you talk about the streaks. I I want to see. Like in the free throws and the three point shot, I, I don't, I never expect him to be a forty percent three point shooter. I don't know that he'll ever get to that point in his career. But the the thirty five, thirty six range, I think, is feasible. But I, I really think as the way that he plays, the way that he gets downhill and attacks the basket, as much as he's going to go to the free throw line, he's going to have to shoot eighty plus percent from the free throw line in order to truly be effective, in my opinion. I, I mean, he, he's being effective, but I'm be effective is probably not the right term there. I guess um, peak potential would probably be the best term, you know, to, like to reach his peak potential. He's going to have to be a 80% plus at the free throw line. Yeah, I, I think I completely agree with that because it, you have to make up if you're not, if you're not going to be, you know, a 40% three-point shooter, then you've got to make it up somehow, and the free throw line is how you do that. So, absolutely. Yeah, because you're going to get in these late-game situations in the playoffs, and the ball's going to be in his hand. He's going to the basket. He's going to get get fouled. He has to go to the free-throw line and knock those down. Uh, and again, man, tough night. A nice night tonight from the free-throw line from him. You just need to see that more on a consistent basis. Um, and, and I think he will. I think I think once he gets to the playoff, I think he's that guy that kind of embraces that moment. And I, and I think if it comes down to it, I think he knows that he's that guy. I think he's going to go to the line and knock those – Free throws down my eye of confidence and job. I got a question here. Something happened that kind of puzzled me late in this game. And, you know, whoever wants to start with it, I'm, I'm fine with it. But when Tyus Jones got fouled to shoot those free throws late to kind of put this game away, am I mistaken or was Desmond Bain not on the floor at that time? I, he had fouled out. Yeah, he fouled he out. Fouled ah, out. Okay. Yeah. I saw yeah, somebody right. else asked that. I think, I think that was actually saying that asked that question. On Twitter, yeah, gotcha. he had actually fouled. Yeah, just fouled right. out right before the end. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I I missed the bus on that one. We we had so I I have three birthdays in February. My wife is the 18th, my daughter's the 19th, and my son's is today actually. And so we were doing kind of a uh, a birthday party cake type thing. So I'm watching the game while trying to entertain people. So I I just missed that. I'm like, why is Bain not? He's he's one of the he's not shooting the ball well tonight, but he's one of the best free throw shooters on the team. Why is he not out there? Didn't matter. Stones came out there. He knocked down the two free throws in clutch, but that clears it up for me, man. I I, I just completely missed that. Yeah, they don't call him stones for nothing, man. Yeah, but he, he stepped up there. I felt I felt good when he went to the line, man. I felt like he was gonna knock him down. He he wouldn't even bother, man. Crowd tried to try to get into him, man. He calmly easily thanked thank both of those and big big time free throws again, man. And that's what we talked about with this team, man. Tonight they were able to do it. You just gotta see them do that on a on a more consistent basis. Um I do wanna talk about uh Jaron Jackson Jr. tonight. Uh was in foul trouble tonight, man. Just some tough calls uh tonight, like and we've seen this over time, man. It just he just gets a, a tough whistle. And tonight was one of those nights, man. I think he still uh, had, had a really nice impact on the game. I mean, he had four blocks in the game, uh, played some really good defense, still had eight points, four rebounds, uh, but just couldn't stay on the floor because of the foul trouble. 26 minutes. I mean, he ended up getting a, a, a weak technical. Uh, I mean, it was a bad call, number one. And he walking away, going towards the bench, and he was talking to himself. Wasn't even aiming at the referee, wasn't – Talking to the referee, the referee wasn't in his face, and the referee teased him up from behind. It, it wasn't even the same referee that made the call. It was just a weird situation. And I think sometimes, and we've seen a, a lot of these this year where 
these referees have to be better than that, man. You can't just call a technical on anything. Like a technical has to be something egregious. And I thought that was a crazy one. What, what, what did you guys think about that play? I, I'll I'll say one thing and then I'll let Candace take over. But they're full on this entire season. They have been Oprah with technical fouls, man. Everybody's getting one, and, and <laughs> on stupid stuff. <laughs> there is no reason. My there are some times when they call them. I'm like, okay, like he deserved that one. But Jaron, he was pretty damn close to half court, like walking yeah, away from the walking referee. away. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they call that technical. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. But it's they're just passing them out with ease, man. I, I don't know if they're fed up. I have no idea what's causing it, but they they are giving them away a little bit too freely. What yeah, pisses I... me off about it is what? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, kid. What real quick? What happened? What pisses me off so much about it is it was a bad call too. Like that's yep. you're doubling down on on, on you blowing a call and then you got to tee up a guy, man. I, I just hate to see that. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree. In fact, uh, I was thinking that I was thinking something similar, even when DeRozan got that first technical in the, in the, yeah. was the first half. And I, I, I thought I missed something, but I saw him just say, wow. And I mean, maybe I missed some, maybe I, there were other, other things going on. Maybe there weren't, but either way, I just didn't think that that was a technical because I, I think it was a week called same situation. Basically, it happened with DeRozan. It happened with uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr. Except DeRozan ended up getting another technical, and he ended up getting ejected because of it. Yeah, the the second technical on DeRozan, I don't even know why he was mad. That was good defense. Yeah, he was hot, that man. Down. Yeah, he was mad. Yeah, like, yeah he, he, they slowed it down. And, like, I understand he, he's wanting to get the call there. They're at home. You've been getting the calls – Kyle Anderson, welcome back, by the way. And, yeah. and that'll, yeah. that'll lead me Man. into my next question. <laughs> but Kyle made a huge play when, when Jaron went down and, and or didn't go, he didn't go down. When he went out with that fifth foul, that's when the Bulls went on that run. And, and the problem is, like, you're missing Brandon Clark. Like, if Brandon wasn't, you know, he got poked in the eye and he didn't return. So if Brandon was in there, maybe he still gives you enough of a defensive anchor to kind of hold on. But they didn't have it. And so when, when Jaron went out, they were making that run. I'm like, the Grizzlies got to have somebody step up on the defensive end. And that person is generally Dylan Brooks. Didn't have him tonight. But I mentioned, like, I'm like, I'm looking at you, slow-mo. And then he comes up with this play at the end of the game, which was huge. No doubt about it, sealed the game for him. Candace, do you feel like this is – because Kyle really hasn't been himself all season. Like, he, he's had spurts where he was decent. But – Pretty much, he, he's been not the Kyle that we expect to see night in and night out. Do you think this could be a springboard for him moving forward? I sure hope it is. I, I think we we need this version of Kyle Anderson. We, we've missed him, to be quite frank. In fact, I, I don't think – I think the last time I – it's been a long time since I remember having him having a good game, but I think he's been in a slump since that OKC game where he missed all those free throws. And I, I just think ever since I haven't really seen a good, strong Kyle Anderson performance – and so it was really great to see him back out there sort of being uh, the defensive anchor, like you said, that we need. And he came up with the end. He came up with it in, in the end, made an amazing play uh, on DeMar DeRozan, and, and it was a right no call. So welcome yeah, back, Slow-Mo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the DeRozan play, I'm not sure if he wanted a foul or he thought it should be a jump ball. But yeah. either way, it, it – it, it was. I don't know what he was so upset about because he didn't get fouled. Like there, there's no question about that. Just a not great play by Kyle Anderson, and it, it's funny because David and I were talking. About, I put a poll out 
uh, I think after the last game, and I was like, when you're thinking about the playoff rotation and, and you look at the two guys, and because one of them is probably going to be kind of on the outside looking at the rotation, is it going to be Kyle, is it going to be Zaire Williams? And Zaire Williams easily won a poll, and I think me and David were kind of on the same page that we think it should be Zaire Williams that kind of gets those minutes off the bench. And lo and behold, as soon as we say that, here comes Kyle, man, a vintage Kyle Anderson performance, man, six, six points, 11 rebounds for five on the offensive end, three assists, three blocks, three or six from the field, super efficient, 29 minutes, um, and just had a super impact uh, on, on the game tonight and had that big play at the end of the game. And, and it's, that's Kyle Anderson when you need him. Every time you seem to count him out, he seems to come back and have a game like this and show you how valuable he is, he is to this team. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that, how that plays out, man, but a big game, and you just want to continue seeing this because when, when he plays defense and does all those intangible things and even – doing some things on the offensive end tonight, man, he has a huge impact. Those are the kind of guys that you need in the playoffs to come in and make those winning plays. And when he plays like this, I mean, he could be super valuable, especially in, in tough games in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't mean to, to transition the subject too much, but uh, speaking of big performances, Steven Adams, what a game yeah. from Steven Adams. What a game. He had 21 rebounds, 12 points, double-double for him. I mean, I think he had some critical offensive rebounds. And, in fact, I, I think his offensive rebounds had a lot to do with us winning the game, ultimately. Yeah, he, he huge. And that's – have eight offensive rebounds, yeah. And I, I feel like the, the version of him that we have seen over the last month and a half, two months – is what we were expecting whenever the Grizzlies made this trade. Um, a step back offensively from the center role, but a step up defensively. And w- when he first got here, it wasn't. Like, he, he wasn't that guy. But things are meshing. I, I still the, – the chemistry between him and Desmond Bain, and, you know, Desmond had a rough night tonight, but the, his ability to pass as a big man is insane. Like, he, he is so good – with the ball, he had that one long outlet pass. People were saying he's a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. I was, I was dying. I'm like, I mean, yeah, they're probably I, I think I, I agree, wrong, agree with that. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I just I love what he brings to this team and and, and the toughness. You you go up against the guy and Nikola Vucevic is, is a heck of a center. You know, like he's he's a dominant big man, and and Stephen Adams toe to toe with him tonight, and you know, in, in my opinion, he got the best of him. Yeah, and, and you go back to to the, the JV versus Steven Adams thing, there was even a thought that Steven Adams isn't quite as good a rebounder. Uh, a lot of people thought that, I mean, we know Steven Adams is a really good rebounder, but there was kind of a thought that he wasn't as good as JV, and I don't think that has, that has not been the case. I mean, he's been fantastic uh, on the boards. I mean, to get 21 tonight, he came out super aggressive. I, I had a feeling, I said last night, that I felt like the Grizzlies could do big work inside tonight, and I thought Jaron would have a big game, and I think he probably would have. If he could have stayed on the floor, I think the foul trouble kind of really took him out of the game. But Stephen Adams came out from the get-go. I mean, uh, the Grizzlies were missing some shots inside early. He was cleaning them up, uh, dunking, back, dunking some, some shots back in, get some tip-ins. And he was ready to go uh, for, for an outset tonight. Like you said, man, 12 points, 21 rebounds, man, eight on the offensive end, five assists. You talk about the passing, uh, the rim protection with two blocks tonight, five and nine from the field, uh, two or four from the free throw lines in 35 minutes. Uh, plus 16, highest on the team tonight. Uh, that just shows you how big those those offensive rebounds were, man. And he's just been phenomenal. Um, I think he's exactly what what you need for this team. I think you kind of look back in Grizz's history, and there's a 
kind of similar situation to this where you kind of traded a guy who on paper seems to be more a lot more talented than the guy they sent out. When this guy came back, he, the team was a lot better. It was Rudy Gay and Tayshaun Prince. Uh, Tayshaun Prince just kind of fit what they needed better than, than what Rudy Gay did because Rudy Gay was taking up shots and, and taking shots away from other guys. And that's similar with JV. I think we wouldn't see wouldn't have seen the growth that we've seen for Desmond Bain. I think the lane has opened up a lot more for Ja and, and for Jaron operating in there. And Stephen Adams is just out there doing his job. And I think when you get the 12 points, the 14 points from him, that's even a plus uh, when he's able to get those offensive rebounds, put shots back up in the end. I mean, it, it, he's been phenomenal. Um, and, and I think he's just what the doctors ordered. And I think kind of what the Grizzlies, the reason why they made that move, I think it's been perfect. I think it's played out perfectly. Didn't start off quite that way, but as of late, it's definitely been, I think, everything they want to be, probably even more. You you mentioned Jaron shots in, in there, and even though he struggled tonight, one thing that I've I've watched him do that he wasn't doing early in the season was when he's got the mismatch down low, he, he's, he's getting in spot, he's calling for the ball, or when he gets the ball and he's got that mismatch, Derek Jones Jr. was on him a couple of times. Jaron goes back to the basket and goes to work on him. Barbecue chicken, man. Yeah, you know, like it's <laughs> all night long. Like Derek Jones Jr. is a pretty good defender, but he doesn't have Too the little, size. Man. He cannot guard Jaron down there. And Jaron has been attacking those guys. And, and I don't know, I would imagine that that's something coaching has pointed out and said, hey, when you get this matchup, we know that you got the skill set to go down there and get that basket, go get it. And they, they've given him the go-ahead to, hey, attack that. He's finally doing it and, you know, gassing him up on a night where the numbers look bad. But, uh, again, it, to I hate being the, all oh, the referees were terrible. Like, I, I hate being they that were. guy. Yeah, they were but bad. The, yeah, the whistles were just rough tonight for the Grizzlies. They were, uh, there was a jump ball called late, yep. and DeMar DeRozan was hugging Jaron. His hand Man. was not – close yeah. to the ball and what kills me when you get calls like that the guy that called the jump ball was behind the play he couldn't even see the ball where he was at how are you calling that a jump ball there's no way no, you can see the ball like you have a terrible line there's two other referees that have a better view and you're calling a jump ball from behind the play i know you're a professional you don't get to the nba as a referee if you're not good at what you do but he, he botched that one pretty bad yeah, I mean, it, it was terrible. Uh, and, I mean, there was a lot a lot of them down the stretch. And I hate when you get these type of games and a team gets on a run, especially when you're on the road and the crowd gets into it and it just seems like the crowd, like, entices the referees to make these calls. Like, yeah. everything starts going wrong for one team and they just start making all these bogus calls. The crowd's into it. It just gets you out of rhythm. They start blowing whistles. And it, that's kind of what we saw tonight. Uh, the Bulls got going. And part of it, I mean, they got going. I mean, the, the Marta Rosen, struggling in the first half. We knew at some point he was going to get loose. Man, he got all the way loose in the fourth quarter and just some bad calls. I'm just glad the Grizzlies were, were able to pull it out. But quickly to go back to your, your point on Jaron early in the season, he was just kind of standing around waiting for three-pointers. And shout out to my guy, Paul McKinney, on, on Twitter. I mean, he just talked to me and David about he's That's his main point. All he talks about is Jaron taking advantage of mismatches. And I would imagine he has to be pretty happy as of late because that's something that we've really seen from him uh, here, especially from the middle of the season on. He's really starting to – when he has those, these smaller guys on him, I mean, he's calling for the basketball, and he's going right at him, man, and that's just something that you love to see. Um, and, and, again, I'm just kind of glad that he's kind of evolved into that because you want to see him be inside out instead of outside in. 
the three-point shooting is fine, but you just don't want to see him start with a three-point shooting and then take a back seat to the inside. You kind of want to see it the other way around, and, and that's what we've seen lately. Yeah. Yeah, and speak, speaking of personal growth, I want to touch on this real quick. Um, I was really impressed with, with Zaire today. He, was, yeah. uh, he had six rebounds today, and we've talked a lot about it. I've heard you guys talk a lot about sort of his creation off the dribble. He's sort of getting comfortable, getting confident, which is great. But I noticed in this game, and I noticed in the last game, he's grown quite a bit in his, his rebounding. And it's been it was really critical, you know, down the stretch for us. It, I think he came through it. It uh, showed on the stat sheet is a plus 14. I think he had a lot to do with the win. I mean, he only had nine points, but I, I think he's growing just before our, very, our eyes in a, in a lot of areas. And it just gets me excited about what his ceiling is as a player. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I say it all the time. This team doesn't reach its true ceiling if Zaire doesn't reach his. And the pre-injury Zaire versus the Zaire that we've seen, you know, recently – it's almost like two different players. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it is such a, a plus for this team because obviously they believed in him because from, from day one, I mean, they even talked about how, I mean, because me and David covered this draft extensively and Zaire was kind of one of the guys that we we weren't in on, especially once they moved up to 10. You, you get on the board and you have guys like Moody, Book Knight there, and you're thinking, man, we, we got to get a chance to get one of these guys that, we didn't feel like they'd be in a position to get even at 10. And they take Zaire Williams and hear these stories that they had been scouting them for a couple of years. You know, Zach Lyman talked about them. They were beaming that that's their guy. And that's the guy that they traded up to get. Now, whether you believe it or not, there's been some thought, thought that Josh Giddy was actually their guy. He went uh, to Oklahoma City before they, they were on the board. So they went with Zaire Williams. But they raved about him and his development and watched him all the way back to, to high school uh, out of California. But I think his play is such a, a plus because I think – to see the development that he's had, I think it, it probably even surpassed even what his biggest believers thought he, he would do this season. So to see him doing it already, I know that front office has to be absolutely going nuts about that pick and, and where they are with him. Because I think seeing that development already kind of possibly, and I've talked about this before, changes kind of your outlook on, on what you need to do. Like, I, I think there was some thought that, man, they need to go out and get another wing player. We got, we got to do this. And I think, that gives you an early window and able for, for you to, to kind of change your mind on or evaluate your decisions and maybe go a different direction. Uh, because I think Zaire, that development that he's shown, I think he's shown that if he continues on this track, that he's going to be a real player for you in, in the future. And you might not need to go out and get a win. You already have Desmond Bain and his growth. We got Dylan Brooks coming back. Um, you got Zaire doing what he's doing now. That You might be able to look at those other areas. That might not be something that, that you need to show up. And, and I think him – Developing this quickly, I just think it's such a positive for this team going forward. So let's look at rotation. When when the team gets closer to the playoffs, when you're coming down the stretch, and, and especially when you get in the playoffs, you know, during the season, Taylor Jenkins is a 10-man rotation guy. He's been that way since he's got here. Um if everybody is healthy, Dylan comes back, he stays healthy. Let's say that he makes it an eight-man rotation. What well, What do you guys – who is that for you? What does that look like for you? I, th I think eight is going to be tough. I think it has to be nine. I think eight is being yeah. – with the talent of this team, be really tough. But I think, obviously, starting a lot of – you got Ja. I think it'll, I think it'll be Ja, Bay, Brooks, 
Jared and, and Steven Adams. And, of course, Tyus Jones is going to be there. Uh, you got to have him backup point guard. I think De'Anthony Melton would be the two. And then you also have BC as your backup big. That's yep. where the question come in and what we talked about earlier. Is it going to be Zaire Williams or is it going to be Kyle Anderson? And I think I mean, even before tonight, like we, me and David were talking about this, and I think as of late, if you watch the play, uh, especially here over the last 20 games or so, I think that answer would definitely be Zaire Williams. I think not only is it I, – I, and I think you look at, at, at Kyle Anderson and you ask the question, is he going to be a long-term piece for this team? He's going to be a free agent this offseason, so – we don't know if he's going to be back. And I think just going back to what I was just talking about a second ago with Zaire's improvement, I think that makes him a little bit expendable. So if you kind of feel like he's not going to be a piece going forward, you're trying to develop Zaire. They made that very clear from day one that they were going to play him. They were going to develop him. They weren't going to send him down to South Haven. This was their guy. And they were going to have trial by fire and let him take his lumps. And they've done that and it's paid off. If he's going to be your guy going forward, playing him in the playoffs, it's beneficial for you. I mean, you want him to get those minutes. Minutes will be invaluable. Get those minutes in their situation, and even his play is probably wanted that overall over Kyle Anderson. But you see what Kyle Anderson did tonight, and him being a veteran guy, a guy that's kind of been there before. It's a it's a tricky situation. I think seeing what you saw tonight, if that continues, I think that makes that decision a little bit tough uh, because if Kyle's doing the things he does out there tonight, he might be able to help you more than Zaire, but. You also have kind of an angle that I just looked at versus is he going to be here going forward and you it'll be very valuable for Zaire to get those minutes. So I don't know. that that That's a tough. I think that's the only question. I think the other guys are pretty much set with Tyus and BC being your Tyus backup point guard. Obviously, and BC, you're big off the bench. It's just who's going to be that third guy? I think that's the big question. And right now, man, I it, it's tough, man. I, I would have said Zaire. I think me and David both said Zaire. Zaire overly, overwhelmingly won that poll I put out. But but uh, but if you see Kyle Anderson bounce back and kind of be the guy that we saw tonight, I think that makes a, a tough decision for Taylor Jenkins and his staff. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with you, Isaac. I'd say the reality is in a seven-game series, I, I'd imagine it has a lot to do with matchup. I don't think you make that decision anytime soon. I don't think you make that decision until you find out who your matchup is. That's, that'll have a great deal to do with it. And then once you once you do that, what we saw in the playoffs last year at least was that and there was there were some guys on the outside they got to run. I mean, we even saw BC getting there, and he was having a he was struggling last yeah. year. Um, but he even got a few minutes in, in a run in the seven game series. So I think more than likely you'll you'll probably see both at some point or another. The question is for me, you know, who gets the majority of those minutes? But I think you, you'll you'll see them both. And I think who gets the most minutes will have less to do with anything else other than just the matchup and what makes the most sense in the situation. The most sense in this situation. Isaac, you mentioned Melt. Is there any chance that he is out of the rotation? I know, you know, Mr. Do Something, the, the hustle player. Yeah, Mr. Do Something, man. <laughs> I, I know all of the things that he brings to the table, and this is definitely not me campaigning for him to be outside of the rotation. But, you know, you're looking at, you know, Dylan Brooks played a ton of minutes in that jazz series. So, you know, Dylan and Ja are going to play a ton of minutes, and and I would expect that Jaron's probably going to play a ton. So you got two positions there where, you know, you're filling minutes, and, and Jay, you know, Adam's matchup dependent, like who, depending yeah. on who you're against and, and what, what type of game he's having. Taylor Jenkins, at first, we're like, you know, he doesn't really make that many lineup adjustments, but 
we've watched him, we've witnessed him grow as a coach and kind of ride the hot hand a little bit more. And I just, I don't know that it would surprise me if Melton was the guy that was, you know, on the outside looking in, if it comes down to it, because if you have, you know, job Bain Brooks, Jaron and Adam starting, and then Kyle and Zaire are both playing at a high level. You know Stones is going to be the backup point guard. Yeah. You know Brandon's going to be get, get the minutes. Yep. So, you know, like I, I just I find it hard to believe that you're going to see a true 10 man rotation in the playoffs. Not saying that he'll be completely out and he won't get any minutes in the playoffs, because if things aren't rolling right for one of these guys, you can trust him to to go out there and and make the right plays. But I, I just the depth of this team, I don't envy this coaching staff having to make those decisions because it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You know, you know, Candace made a great point about, you know, it being matchup dependent. You know, it is Kyle Anderson going to be a better matchup defensively than DeAnthony Melton because of the length and size. You know, th- th- there's a lot of things that go into that, but th- there's a lot of moving parts, man. And, and I'm, Look at what what a uh, matchup right now would be the Denver Nuggets. They're sitting in the sixth seed right now. So lo- looking at that, let's say that the Grizzlies are matching up against the Nuggets in that first round. Uh, and man, you can't even really say because we don't. know. Yeah, you don't know. Like, yeah, you, you don't With know the if Nuggets Harry's especially. Gonna be back. Yeah. You don't know if yeah. if MPJ Junior is going to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to do some more, you know, what ifs, but we won't get into that because you can't, you know, if that's your matchup. So let, let's run through the box score, and then if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, we can bounce to that for sure. But I, I think we've covered about everything that I want to talk about tonight. Well, well real quick, I, I want to comment. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, All right. I just want to, uh, to 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 piggyback off your question with DeAnthony Melton, uh, David. So I was thinking that I think DeAnthony Melton's being on the outside of the rotation or not depends upon his performance in March and April. Yeah. Because one thing we know about DeAnthony Melton is as great as he can be as a player, he's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, he is super streaky. And so we've seen him, you know, in March and in April just go on a complete down spiral. And in when when DeAnthony Melton typically spirals, it's not for a short amount of time. He, no. he typically doesn't bounce <laughs> back quickly. So yeah. So it can be a long stretch. So I think if he can prove that he can shoot the three the way he's been doing recently over, you know, the rest of the going through into the playoffs, then I think he might very well be chosen over somebody else just because he, he can space the floor. But if he's not able to space the floor, I think you can get enough defense from Kyle Anderson or Zaire or, or Dylan Brooks being back at that time, not to have to have that be a point of emphasis going, you know, when you got to when you got to narrow down your rotation. So I think it's up to him. Yeah, and, and he and going into the playoffs last year, he was on one of those said downward spirals. I mean, he was right. bad going to the playoffs last year. But when he's good, the Anthony Melton, I think you need him out there. I mean, he brings high energy. The, the defense, he, he's knocking down threes, and he's confident, man. He'll he can get hot, man, and knock down four or five threes in a game for you. And then sometimes you look and he can't throw it in the ocean. And then when he's like that, <laughs> he goes out there and and he. Just man, we me and David talked about this so much, man. When he puts the ball on the floor, man. his dribbling is just man bad. And, and, and if he's not knocking down shots, it doesn't. Brutal. You can't play him, man, because he's gonna turn the basketball over. When he's out there making shots and playing defense, you can get away with it a little bit. But when he's not knocking down shots, man, you can't can't have him out there, man, with the way he can, can get loose with that dribble. Yeah. Uh, but, but but another thing, real quick, before we run into the box score, uh, I, I want to talk about this bull, bull team real quick. 
and, and I'm not going to say that this team, but the Bulls, Bulls are really good. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's not taking anything away from them. They have a MVP candidate and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, but I, I knew this was the case. And, and before I jumped on here, I just wanted to come, gotta go back and see how bad it was. But when you look at that Chicago Bulls team, they were leading the East for for a long time. Uh, Miami is kind of taking it over now. They've had some injuries with uh, Levine missing some time. He's back now. You also have Lonzo Ball's been out for a significant amount of time. Agus Caruso is out. He's supposed to be back in, in a little bit. But they have been awful uh, against the elite teams. They, when, you, when you look, I, I went back and looked. They're now 0-2 against the Grizzlies. They're 0-2 against the Warriors. 0-1 against Phoenix. 0-2 against Miami. 0-3 against Philly and 0-1 against the Bucks. They haven't beat one of the top teams in the league all year. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I guess they've just pretty much always taken care of business against teams they're supposed to beat. But when it comes against the elite teams, man, they haven't been good at all this year. And I thought that was kind of an interesting stat to look at. Yeah, I think I, if I recall this correctly, I can't remember. I, I ended up switching broadcast on, on League Pass at some point. But I think I heard that they had one of the softest schedules, maybe the second easiest schedule kind of going up to this point when you go back and look at the 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 record of the opponents. And so I, I think that has a great deal to do with it. And I don't know if that's just because it's been coincidence with health and all the issues they've been having. And I'm sure that they would be a better team, you know, with with all their players. But it is puzzling, and it, it could be a concern for them. It's a good point, Isaac. How much weight should that have in the MVP conversation? Mm. Because if you look at what DeMar DeRozan's been doing, he, he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. But when you're getting down to the bones of it, when, when you're looking at – I would say right now th- there's four guys – you can – you can say five, right? Like five guys that are in the MVP conversation. I'm biased, and I'm going to say that Ja is in it. I think that he definitely deserves to be there. Ja, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. That would be my five guys. Steph Curry was there early in the season, but he's not been the same. Since he broke that record, he, he has yeah. not been shooting the ball well from three at all. So not to to say that he can't earn his way back into it, but right now – out of those five guys, the the things that you're looking at to break down, it, it's very small. There, there's very minute differences between them. And I think your record against playoff teams should matter. Yeah. And that, that's got to be a strike against the Rosen. It, it, in my opinion, if I'm a voter, I'm going to look at stuff like that. I'm going to look at the Sixers, Joel Embiid. Okay, he's played more games this year consecutively than he ever has in his career that's always been a knock on him he hasn't been healthy he's doing the you know the the injury management all this other stuff and so i i've never had him near the top of the mvp race because of that the load management i'm like to me the best ability is availability and if a guy is load managing he shouldn't be in the mvp conversation that hasn't been the case for mb this season nikola Jokic is doing insane stuff with a bench squad, basically, it's Nikola Jokic and Will Barton and Aaron Gordon. Like that—that's—that's that's the squad down there. They're missing key pieces, and they're still sitting in the in the sixth seed in the West. So Jokic has got to be in it again. Giannis is having another great year. How do you justify putting a guy like Demar Derozan above any of these guys when their record against these other playoff teams? is as negative as it is. 
Yeah, that's def- definitely an interesting question. I mean, it's not just negative. It's awful. Like, they haven't beat an elite team all year. I mean, anytime they match up against an elite team, and all, and all these games weren't – some of these games, they were at full strength, like all the way at full strength, and they oh. lost these games. A lot of these games were earlier in the season where they didn't have these injuries. So that's definitely definitely mm-hmm. a question. Um, and I think – we'll see. I mean, again, and, and I think – and not this is not a Bulls podcast, so we're not – going to get into that but I think that's a big question for them going into the playoffs is when they how how good are they really like I mean they, they've won a lot of games and Marta Rosen obviously on another world Grizzlies did stop his streak I think he had eight games of, of 35 plus and that ended tonight uh, so the Grizzlies were able to end that but I think when you talk about the MVP I think that should go into it I, I think you look at him against elite teams and, and how he carries the, that team against for wins against those teams and they haven't done that so far. And that, to me, I think that would be a big issue now to the voters. I mean, they look at different things, and I think there are some biases, guys in certain markets and, and stuff like that that we've seen before in the past. And I think all that kind of stuff goes into it. But for me, I think that would be a, a, a big factor in who I voted for. Yeah, 100%. I, I think DeMar DeRozan's in the conversation. I think from what I've seen just in the media right now, he's kind of below you know, your top three. I think I saw him maybe as high as five. Um, right yeah. now, Steph Curry is still nationally considered above him. I, I don't, I don't quite understand that logic. Which is crazy, like, but like, like David <laughs> said, um, I just, I just want to p- point this out about the about the the Steph Curry conversation. I know, Dave, David, you said that he'd been been having a slump since he made the record. In my opinion, he was having a slump before the record because remember, everybody kept saying this, this is going to be the game, this is going to be the game, and then he wouldn't like it was like four or five games before he actually could get to breaking the record because he just – I think yeah. he, they started forcing an issue, and so it made yeah. him inefficient. And so it was actually a little bit before <laughs> that. Um, so I, mean, I think he had a really strong, like, two months, and then he's just kind of been riding that <laughs> since. But anyway, I'll get off that soapbox. But yeah, I don't think – I don't – I think that's a great point that you bring up, Isaac. I don't think he's going to get past that five mark, but it, I think to me it, it makes a bigger question of should DeMar DeRozan be over Jai in the conversation. And right now – I. I think recently he has been over Ja in in the conversation, and I'm not sure that that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. Uh, yeah. The only guys that honestly I, I I would really put over Ja, I think, and David talked about the low management stuff. I think if I had to vote right now, and I was being honest, I think Joel Embiid would yeah. be my MVP right now. I think you got to put Giannis in there. I mean, it's just so crazy what he's doing. I think after that, I think Ja and Jokic should be the next two guys. I mean, that's for me, Jokic, what he's doing, I think I would have Ja over him just because of the record and the Grizzlies have had injuries too. I know people say the Grizzlies are 11 and two or whatever without Ja. Uh, but I don't, I don't really buy into that. I just think what the Grizzlies are doing, they weren't expected to be where they are. I think for him to be putting up the kind of numbers that he's putting up, but we we've seen the impact. I mean, he's the best third quarter scorer in the NBA. We've seen how clutch he is. He's hit multiple game winners this year. I just think right there, I think Joel and B, Giannis and Ja. I think that's where I have it. I would have. Jokic four, and I think DeRozan fifth, and I think I'd probably have Steph Curry sixth. To Kansas' point, there were a couple games there when he's trying to break that record. I remember where he was like two of 17 from three. Yeah. He was like, like <laughs> shooting like 18 threes in games and stuff. It was only hitting like two. So he, he's yeah, definitely trying, he's trying to get it over. Yeah, with. just trying to yep. get that record. He hasn't been efficient this year. It, it, it's reputation with him. Man. A lot of people still have him at the, at the top of the list, and I think that's yep. absolutely insanity. Yep, him and Chris Paul. That that's still yeah, I, I still can't, man. I yeah, I saw one of Chris Paul, 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 Pa
you're talking about. This guy's averaging like 14 points a game right now. Like, I get it's not all about points, but right. when a guy's averaging 26 and you're averaging 14, I mean, and, and, and that makes a difference. I don't even think Chris Paul is the best player on their team. I mean, you have another guy, Devin Booker, who I think if Chris Paul's in the conversation, I think you got to have Booker in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I could talk about the Chris Paul thing all day. It drives me absolutely insane. But I, I think Chris Paul's his argument for MVP is going to be what happens with the Suns while he's out here. Yep. And, yeah. You know what? What they are able. You know, if they, they lost the Pelicans last night at home. Like, yeah. If, if so. they if they nosedive here. Man, I, I don't I know what you said about 14 points a game, but go back and compare when Steve oh, Nash beat out Kobe yeah, Bryant. Steve Nash, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. like the, the numbers were not even close. Kobe destroyed him almost everywhere statistically, but Nash won the MVP. And so like you can still have a huge impact with Oh, there's no doubt. Points. Yeah. But we were talking about DeRozan and them not beating any of the top teams. You look at the, the Grizzlies lost to Philly by three with, with John Morant, and then you've got that you know they beat the Jazz. They they've essentially beat everybody else. Everybody that you yeah. named on that list, they've beat all of those teams this year. John yeah. Morant during this struggle, the, the these eight games where he's been like can't throw a rock in the ocean from three, his numbers are still insane. Thirty points a game, seven assists, six rebounds, shooting forty eight percent from the floor, while missing basically five shots a game from three. Yeah, that's so, pretty amazing like, he, when he, you lay it out like that for a guard. That is yeah, amazing. It's the, the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's shooting basically, he's making less than one three a game in that stretch, shooting yep. 13% from three. He's still managing to be at 48% from the field, missing that many threes because yeah. of the way that he attacks the basket. So definitely arguments to be made. Realistically, I don't think that Jaws in, in the, is the MVP. Yeah. Um, I, I think they had to get up to one in order for him to be really yeah for, in that conversation sure, to get it. Yeah. yeah, if he if he gets up to one, he continues to play at this level, and yeah, he's there. But to me, something that I hate about this MVP voting, and we've kind of ran ran off the rails here, but I love it. This is the kind of stuff that I like. the The MVP voting voter fatigue is is something that you hear mentioned pretty frequently. And that's the biggest load of freaking BS I've ever heard in my life, man. If a guy is out here and he's playing at the level that Giannis is playing, just because he's won two MVPs doesn't mean that he shouldn't get another one. Let this is this it's most valuable player, not oh well, this guy just dominates all the time, so <laughs> yeah. let's not give him the award yeah. too much. Bullcrap. If he goes out there and earns it, give it to him. And so Giannis. There's no argument that can be made that you have Giannis outside the top three of the MVP, in my in my opinion. No. Yeah, yeah, truly. For sure, for sure. In fact, I mean, being honest, I, I'm a huge Ja fan myself, but I, I actually think I disagree with you, Isaac. I'd have to put Jokic over Ja, I think, just because well, – now, if Ja can get his three-point shooting up and or his assist up just a little bit, I think there's a different conversation. But right now, as it stands, I think – Jai's got to do a little bit more on the assist game, probably a little bit more on the scoring game, just to keep up with Jokic's number for it to even be sort of an argument. I think. Now I know the the seating is, is a big difference, but yeah, that's uh, big for me. It's just, I, I think it's going to come down to Jai does have some weaknesses to his game right now, assists being one of them, and and three point shooting being one of them. When you look at stat line, so that'll hurt him right now. But he does have enough time to bounce back from that ultimately. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's run through this box score real quick. Isaac, I'll let you take it, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. 
Yeah, that, I, do, I do got a, a couple points I want to do before we wrap up, but uh, check on the team stats. Uh, Grizzlies, uh, back on the, the, the shot advantage. That's one thing that you kind of look at the, the box scores throughout the year. That's kind of a, a common thing. Grizzlies go 44 of 100 for 44%. Uh, Bulls 39 of 93 for 41.9%. So the Grizzlies plus seven on, on shots on goal, and that's something that the Grizzlies do. Uh, they use offensive rebounds to get extra possessions, and that's the reason why a lot of times they're able to win games despite a usually significant discrepancy in three-point shooting. Uh, wasn't really that that big of a deal tonight, but a lot of times teams really outshoot them for three-point range in the way they're able to still win games, offensive rebounds, get extra possessions, and you used to seeing that, and that was the case tonight. But three-point range, 7 of 23 for 30.4%. For the Grizzlies, not really good, but the Bulls, not too much better, uh, 9 of 20 uh, for, for 45%. Uh, they, they do get Grizzlies plus three in attempts, Bulls plus two in makes. So not a big discrepancy as we usually used to seeing with, with Grizzlies and their opponents. Uh, Grizzlies go 21 to 26 for 80.8% from the free throw line. Much better there uh, than, than we've seen as of late. Uh, they were definitely able to knock down some free throws down the stretch to ice the game. So that was good. Bulls go 23 of 30 for 76.7%. So Bulls plus four in attempts from the strike and plus two in makes. So overall, in three-point shooting and free throw shooting, Bulls are net plus eight points uh, on, on the Grizzlies. Rebounds. Big night for the Grizzlies, 61 rebounds overall, 19 on the offensive boards, only 41 for the Bulls overall, six offensive boards. So Grizzlies really beat them up on the offensive board. A lot of offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies. A lot of that was Steven Adams, uh, big performance with 21 rebounds, uh, eight on the offensive end. And you got Kyle coming out the bench with 11 and five on the offensive end. So big work there. Uh, 23 to 17, Grizzlies assist advantage, uh, nine, five steals for the Bulls, uh, 10 to three uh, blocks, 10 blocks in the game for the Grizzlies. Another block party uh, for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies lead the NBA in blocks. So they did last time I checked. They might, I guess they still, they're still number one. I haven't checked in, in, in a few games, but uh, big time block number for the Grizzlies. Turnovers 14 to 10, uh, 14 for the Grizzlies, 10 for the Bulls. Fast break points, 15, 10 Bulls. Points in the paint. Grizzlies doing big work there. 62 points to 52 for the Bulls. And, and, and a couple things before I get out, out of here. I know saw David uh, late night tweeted last night that saying to some Grizzlies fans that the Lakers losing games is not a good thing. And it's, I think a lot of fans don't understand it. They think that the, the more the, the, the Lakers lose, the better that pick's going to be. And that's true. But the thing about it is the pick is top 10 protected. So if the pick falls between one and 10, the pick goes back to the Pelicans. So you want them to lose games, but you don't want them to lose so many that they fall inside that top 10. And they're teetering on that 11 and 12 line right now. And they can't seem to, 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 to help themselves. So I think it's time to, Kind of, you still want them to win games, but I think it's kind of time for you to start rooting for the teams around them to lose. And in and, and that vein, good night for the Grizzlies tonight as the Wizards and Spurs are two of teams that are kind of in that range. They both lost tonight, so that's a good thing. And if you're looking up in the standings, they're two games behind Golden State. And just look at Golden State's next five games. Uh, they have the Mavericks tomorrow, they're at Tim the Timberwolves, at the Mavericks, at the Lakers, and at the Nuggets. That's Golden State's next five games. So some opportunities there probably for them to drop some games. So if the Grizzlies win here, man, they can continue to make strides up to, towards their number two seed. And, and I think that would be big for the, if the Grizz could get there. Yeah, and, and after watching the way the Suns played, it's there's adjustments to be made. And, and campaign, if I'm not mistaken, campaign is not back yet. That's going to make a difference. Like, he's going to be effective on the offensive end. He's going to be able to orchestrate that offense. De, De, uh, I'm struggling, can't say his name tonight. Devin Booker is still going to have a heavier load. He's still going to, like, there's going to be more playmaking him 
put on his plate because Chris Paul is not there. But campaign is a very capable backup, and he showed last year how valuable he is to that team. So him getting healthy, that's I, – I can't imagine that that's very far away. But I, right now, I, I don't think that one is completely out of the question. I, I know that it's a long shot. A lot of things have to go the Grizzlies' way. But for me, there's nothing – with Chris Paul not being healthy on that Suns team, there's no guarantee that they're just going to, you know, finish knocking out the rest of the season and, and stay in that one spot. Yeah, I, I had said that before last night that I didn't feel like there was a chance. I felt like that's a big number. Was it six? Uh, might be five and a half now. It might be five now. I haven't, haven't looked uh, since, since the Grizz won tonight. I haven't kind of looked at it. It might be five games now. I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, there's no way that they're going to drop that many games and, and, and the Grizz be super consistent, not losing it. That's, that's a lot of games to make up in a little bit over 20 games. But watching that game last night, it's definitely going to be an adjustment for Phoenix. And I, I don't think that's totally out of question. I mean, you look at Golden State, they're not the same team without Draymond Green. And when you kind of listen to things that they're saying, they don't sound super confident that he's about to be back and about to be full strength here pretty soon. They're kind of vague about it all. Well, we hope that he's in, in good shape and ready to go here pretty soon. He's ramping it up, but they don't – it's a back issue. And when you talk to dealing with backs, there's always a chance that he might not be 100% off for the rest of the season. And without him, they're a completely different team. And if he's not healthy, he's less than 100% or not there at all. And I, I'm not – I don't fear this team anyway. Like, I think the Grizzlies match up with them really well. If they matched up with them in the playoffs, I, they could lose that series. But I wouldn't be – I wouldn't feel going to that series that this is hopeless. I feel – good about that matchup and if Draymond Green's not 100% or he's not playing I definitely feel good about that matchup so it, there's some questions with Phoenix and some questions with Golden State I think if the Grizzlies can stay consistent and, and, and be that team that we saw before the break I think they got an opportunity to, to move up a notch or two absolutely all right Isaac you got anything else before we uh before we get out of here man no man we, we ran ran super long man but good stuff man definitely great great conversation man we've covered uh a lot, man. We're going going back off and, and you know, off the subject, back on to the Grizzlies, going on to the Bulls. We talked about a lot of stuff, man, but I love, love great conversations like this. For sure. MVP conversation went all over the place. Candace, I'll let you lead us off on getting out of here. Let everybody know where they can find you, and then we'll transition to me and then let Isaac close us. All right. Well, it's a pleasure as always to talk Grizzlies with everybody. Always good to be back. Missed it during the All-Star break. You can find me on Twitter at C is in Cat, Hawks901. That's Seahawks901. And hopefully it'll be back on here soon to talk more Grizzlies. Yep, yep. Grizzlies are back in action Monday night at home against the Spurs. What seems like it seems like they've been gone from the forum forever, but the All-Star break played a role in that. So back Monday night, I think Candace is going to be at that game. So she won't be with us post-game okay. for that one. But uh, but we'll get her back in sometime next week. We appreciate you coming on with us. It's always great. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at D Will Two. No, no, I'm not. Gosh, dang it, man. No, at David W two one one one. Again, at David W two one one one. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, and just like I, I mentioned a second ago, uh, Lakers can't seem to get out of their own way, help their playoff causes. But for the Grizzlies' interest, they got a chance to help themselves uh, on Monday night. San Antonio Spurs are a team that's kind of right there around the Lakers, so you kind of want them to lose. So Grizzlies 
with an opportunity to help themselves there. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. When we'll be back with the post game after the first game. These are on Monday night and sometimes Tuesday. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. And until then, we go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.